What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Podcast. Today, I'll be recording episode number 63. And the title of this episode is going to be Living Off $90,000 a Year in Chicago. Um, Chicago is a very expensive cost of living area to be uh, living in. So with a huge income cut that I took last year in March, I kind of want to break down the numbers of my actual budget and show you how I survive off $90,000 a year while still managing to invest. Now, I do want to preface this as I go over the budget. I am debt-free outside of, of my mortgage, so it makes it a lot easier to live off $90,000 a year versus if I had uh, monthly debts that I had to uh, make payments on. So just uh, just be aware of that. Um, and I am a huge, huge proponent of, of being debt-free, no matter if you're living in Chicago, New York, or in a rural city. Um, being debt-free really will set you up to win financially. So the income breaks uh, down like this. It's a total of $6,000 a month take-home. Uh, that's between my wife and and my income. My income has taken a drastic, drastic hit um, right now, I'm lucky to be making 400 bucks a month, uh, which is really nothing when you think about it. Um, not that long ago when I was working full time and I had all these side hustles going, um, our income was around 165,000. So it's a huge cut, uh, obviously not working full time anymore. And now really working, uh, I would even, wouldn't even label this part time. I'm really working when I can which is not that often. Um, so it's uh, it, it's been tough with the income cut, but I, we still manage uh, to not only get by and not live paycheck to paycheck, but also uh, still manage to invest uh, as I'll break these numbers down. So that's the income. Take home every month is $6,000, give or take a few hundred bucks. You know, depends on overtime and commissions. And, and sometimes some, I might have a sponsorship or other affiliate deal that, you know, brings that income up a little bit higher, but on average it's 6,000 a month. Uh, the monthly mortgage payment, I have a 15 year fixed mortgage on this property that I bought last year is $1,500. So that's just the uh, principal and interest payment. Uh, I also have a HOA for the property. It's $450 a month. And then property taxes are an additional seven hundred dollars a month so quickly you can see that the uh, home expense is taking up a big 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 chunk of that take-home pay of six thousand dollars some of the other uh, monthly uh, expenses that i have are my cell phone plan which that's for two lines is 120 dollars uh cable and internet i guess the cable part is a luxury but it's 150 dollars a month and then um, the insurances so our insurances are broken down by car, life, and uh, home insurance or property insurance. That's $120 a month. Now, those premiums, I, I do pay them uh, for the uh, life and the home insurance. I pay those annually, uh, but I broke it down per month just so you see how, how it stacks up. And, and the car, I pay every six months. Um, some of the new expenses that I didn't uh, expect to be so high 
our uh, baby formula and baby supplies. Right now we budget $500 a month for those and uh, it's been either at or above that these past couple of months uh, with the baby formula shortage and you know the price increases in the baby formula that we're getting from Europe. So um, it, it's been uh, a little bit higher than what I would have budgeted for previous to the baby and even what I would have budgeted uh, just uh, a few short months ago. Food breaks down at $1,200. That's another line item I try to be a stickler on. Uh, we do uh, go grocery shopping every week, and most, I would say, of our meals are home-cooked meals. Um, there is the occasional, especially on a Friday night, uh, when we're just tired of dishes every week and uh, throughout the week, we just say, okay, we'll eat out. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's us getting groceries and, and making food at home, but it's 1200 Now, over the years, I've become um, more about quality of food versus the price. So in the past, for example, when we were in debt and when we were living paycheck to paycheck, I was fine with getting lower quality food, cheap food, um, just to get by. Now I, I don't, uh, I make food, the quality of the food a priority. So we do buy, um, you know, good, good food, organic food. Um, and it's 1,200 a month and it's a lot for a family of two and, and a little baby, but, um, that's, that's where the food is probably the, uh, outside of the mortgage. It's the second biz- biggest expense in our monthly budget. But again, I'm not looking to trim that. I could if I if if need there be, but right now there's no need to trim that. So that's staying there. Fuel is two hundred dollars a month. Now, me and my wife, we both work from home, so really we don't have to drive to the office every day. We don't have to pay these huge um, prices at the pump. But you know, we still do live further away from friends and, and family. So whenever we're driving back into the city, because I'm a little bit north of the city, whenever we're driving back into the city, um, there's always traffic and there's a uh, there's a lot of driving. So 200 bucks a month is what we spend on gas. We typically fill up uh, once every two weeks, a hundred dollars. Uh, and then there's a miscellaneous uh, $500 line item that I always like to keep. This one could be anything. Um, Life always happens. You know, you could put everything down on paper, but you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes new clothes need to be bought or shoes. Sometimes there's uh, events to attend um, that, uh, you know, we just found out about this month or the previous month. So I always keep 500 bucks uh, of my budget in the miscellaneous item uh, category. And then whatever I don't spend from that miscellaneous, I will then end up investing that uh, at the end of the month. But I usually like to keep it um, for the whole month. And then if if I don't spend it, I invest it. So that totals out to be $5,444. So not a lot of wiggle room. Um, About $500 is left over at the end of the month. Um, Not really paycheck to paycheck, but pretty close to it um of course we can play around with that miscellaneous and have almost a thousand dollar buffer zone at the end of the month so that's how the uh expenses break down now i want to talk about the investing that i'm doing this year it's different than most years so 
2019, very aggressive in investing after I paid off the debt. 2020, even more aggressive. 2021, the most aggressive I've ever been. 2022 has not been the case. And it it sucks because the market's down and I wish I could be more aggressive, but I I simply just don't have the cash to to do so. Um, You know, with, with the income cut, I have to be smart with where I'm deploying my money and how I'm deploying it. But the uh, right now the 401k has not been maxed out and it's not going to be maxed out this year. First year in three years that that won't happen. It's set up to do a, uh, to a match right now of 5%. So that's going to be $4,500 that's going to be invested into the 401k this year. And of course uh, my wife's employer will match that full amount that we invest. So it'll be a, a $9,000 uh, bill that gets put into the 401k this year. That's not even close to getting it maxed out, but, uh, you know, living on, again, on a, on a much smaller income, we have to make that sacrifice there. Um, I, I would love to be more aggressive. I just, I don't want to turn that up and then not have enough money left over at the end of the month where I'm forcing myself to then pull money out of investments, right? You have to be kind of smart with that. The Roth IRAs have been maxed out, but the way I've maxed them out is kind of in a cheating way, but I'll I'll share that. So I do have a taxable account, a sizable taxable account that was at, uh, to start this year, it was at $97,000. Now, my taxable account is really a slush fund of uh, many different uh, goals that I have that I put into there. One goal being a sort of a bridge account or early retirement account if we decide to retire much earlier than the age we can pull our Roths, I can then turn to this taxable and uh, hopefully be able to draw on it uh, up until uh, age 60 where my IRAs become available. So what I did this year that I haven't done in the past is on January 1st or whatever that first Monday was, it wasn't January 1st, it was like January 3rd or 4th, I sold off uh, $12,000 out of the taxable so that uh, we can put 6000 into my Roth IRA and 6000 into my wife's Roth IRA and not have to worry about the Roths uh, for the rest of this year. So yes, while I did max them out, I really just moved money from the taxable over to the Roth IRA, which is still going to be advantageous over the long run, but um, it was a new capital that I introduced to the Roth IRAs this year just because I didn't have it. Um HSA is one that we do contribute to monthly, um, or not monthly, we contribute to every paycheck, and it's on pace to have $3,900 of our own contributions into our HSA. Now, again, another big difference this year uh, versus most years is we actually use our HSA for medical reasons. So uh, last year when my son was born, there was a big hospital bill, obviously from labor and delivery and all the other stuff that uh, that entails, you know, spending five days in the hospital. Um, we used the majority of the money that we had in the HSA to cover those bills. And then in December, I had a unexpected emergency gallbladder uh, surgery. And uh, luckily, most of the deductibles or out-of-pocket maxes have been met uh because of the of the labor and delivery, but there were still a little a few bills that trickled in there. And then having a newborn um, 
I didn't understand in the beginning how many times I would have to go see the doctor. Um, early on, it was like every couple of months. But, you know, even when the kid gets sick, uh, he's not acting, you know, himself. We go to the doctor. Um, had a recent uh, bout with his eczema flaring up. I had to go to the doctor, get different medication prescribed. and All that stuff costs money. So even though we're contributing into this HSA 3900 Really, I think the plan is that uh, because our our, our our deductible is high, it's three thousand dollars. Most of that money will go to to meet the deductible. Now, what's neat is the employer does at the at the beginning of the year give uh, us a seven hundred dollar uh, contribution into the HSA from the employer. So this helps us uh, get very close to our max out of pocket. Um, it still leaves us short a little bit and exposed if we do end up spending because the max out of pocket is six thousand. So if we do end up, uh, you know, uh, spending more than uh, the the four thousand uh, six hundred that we have in there, then uh, you know the other fourteen hundred will be on us. Probably be coming either from uh, the taxable account or or from the savings account if if you know I've set some money aside. Uh, if it's a medical thing that I knew was going to happen, if it's a medical emergency, of course, it'll be probably coming from the taxable. Um, and then the last account, uh, account that I recently opened up for my son is a is a UTMA account. And the goal there is going to be to contribute $1,200 into that account um, this year, plus uh, any excess money from the birthday parties or uh, grandparents, cousins, all those uh, extra monies that are intended for my son will go into his up. I'm not going to, you know, take that money and uh, roll it into my monthly budget. I'd like to put that aside so that once he's older, um, I can sort of explain to him, hey, look, I've uh, taken all this money that you were given at a very young age before you even knew what money was, and I put it aside into this uh, investing account, into these index funds, and look at how much it is now versus how much was put in. And then, you know, obviously go from there and explain um, that he can continue to to do what I've already done. And it can grow to even bigger. Or if he wants to use it, he can. Of course, after 18, um, it's up to him. But uh, this is not uh, going to be like a quarter of a million dollar account here that I'm aiming for. Uh, it's more of a teachable account that I, I, I wanted to set up and help uh, teach him about investing, but not uh, give him access to a lot of money at 18 that he can uh, then end up uh, blowing. So that uh, totals the yearly investing uh, to $26,800, which again, comes up very, very short. Um, Last year, we invested uh, 96,000 and some change. So I'm way, way, way off the pace, $70,000 off the pace this year. And when you think about it, that's about a little more than how much uh, income we've lost. We've lost a little more than $70,000 by me quitting my job. So that's where the money's gone. And it's a a personal decision that I made. Um, We we sort of, um, in March of 2021, we're looking around the landscape and we knew what was coming. We, uh, we already knew we were two, two, two and a half months in into the pregnancy. We knew, uh, the due date was in September 
and uh, we also knew the situation with with the pandemic um how limited supply there was of nannies and and um caretakers and just how expensive they were and at the end of the day you have to make a decision do you want to um pay somebody you know $50,000 a year uh to to be a nanny and raise your kid or do you want to lose a little more say 70,000 of income uh but be able to raise your own kid and and it's such a difficult decision for families to make and i think it's a personal decision there is no right or wrong answer um it's whatever you think is 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 the best and in our case we thought that you know losing the uh difference of 20,000 in income which really wouldn't even be 20 cuz after taxes after 70k after taxes on 70k um we'd be you know take home 50 so it it will be i guess you get the little bit of a tax break there but still it's not uh worth enough to uh have the opportunity to raise your own kid the way you want to uh from from day 1 so that's the decision we made now eventually uh, that was the the first decision now eventually i think what will happen is we will sort of do a trade off we don't know when um but uh i might end up going back into the workforce and my wife might then uh stay home and 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 raise our uh, son and if there's any other uh god willing future kids um and that will be another uh decision but we'll get there when we get there that's a that's a bridge we have not uh even come close to crossing yet so we'll get there when we get there but that's how it breaks down and that's how we live off $90,000 a year i always go back to thinking about if i was not debt free would I have this ability to one uh, quit or quit my job, and two, would I have the luxury of being able to live where I want, eat how I want, and still have money left over from investing, and still be able to spend every single day with my son? And the answer is no. I would not have had that luxury. Um, you can see with how tight these numbers are, with a plus or minus five hundred or a thousand a month. Uh, being left over, um, it's not it's not a lot of money. And if I just had a let's say a, a car payment of five hundred, and let's say my wife had another car, so that's two car payments. Average car payments five hundred. So that's a thousand dollars in just car payments. Um, not to mention you tack on uh, any kind of student loan payments, and then you start getting into the uh, credit cards with a monthly credit card bill. Now I know with credit cards you know you'd be putting groceries and a lot of stuff fuel and all that on 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 the credit card but again it it doesn't work just like that you always end up spending a little bit extra and uh this has forced us to live within our means we still live below our means uh, obviously i wouldn't have uh, i wouldn't be able to invest twenty six thousand eight hundred dollars if i was living above my means off on ninety thousand dollar year income but also it forces us to um, be humble and, and, and know that it's hard. It's hard living off less. Um, you know, when when I was saving the crazy amounts, when I was saving 50% of my income, it's much easier to save 50% of your income when, you, when you're making 165000 170000 
versus when you're making ninety thousand. Uh, to save half of ninety thousand pre-tax is going to be forty-five thousand dollars a year. That is very, very difficult to do. Even post-tax, it's still uh, very difficult to do. It's forty or thirty. Uh, let me do the quick math here. Ninety six times twelve, so thirty-six uh, thousand. It's still uh, we're we're not there yet. We're at twenty-six, so it, it's it's very, very, very hard to do. And um, I, I don't want to come on here and say that you know doesn't matter what your uh, income is, you can save fifty percent. It's it's not the truth. You can't. Um, and I think it's taken this uh, year and some change now since I've quit my job to really understand um, the importance of saving early on. Um, I I. Two, three years ago, I would have never thought in my life that I would be able to set myself up financially to be able to live off just one income, one main income. Of course, I have all the side hustles income, uh, but that is, I, I joke around, call it beer money, but it's a little more than beer money, but it's not a lot of money. And, you know, two years ago, I would have never thought I could be able to do that. Heck, even even when I quit my job, I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to go back to work in six months because we're going to run out of money. But hasn't been the case. It's been a year and three and a half, four months now since I've quit. Um, haven't had to make any drastic pulls from uh, the taxable account, although I did uh, make one error in uh, last year or actually at the beginning of this year, I should say where I didn't budget correctly for the property taxes. So I had to sell off $8,000 of my investments um, to to cover those property taxes. And uh, because they're due, uh, they're basically due twice a year. I know I broke it down as 700 bucks a month, but I don't pay them monthly. I pay them twice a year. Um, and I just didn't have the money when it came due. So I had to make that drastic decision to sell 8000 Luckily for me, uh, when I did sell... It was literally at the peak of the market. Again, not a market timing decision. I just um, needed the money right there and then, and I sold. And that's one of my rules is you only sell when you need the money. Um, One rule of mine that I did break that I'm not very proud of and I'm working really hard to to fix this is I, I invest in my emergency fund. And the reason I did this was uh, after I quit my job, I was so afraid of touching the emergency fund. And I did such a good job of not touching it. I tricked myself into believing I didn't really need an emergency fund. Uh, Even though everything I've learned um, working uh, the steps that I worked to achieve uh, the wealth that we've achieved, it's always been with this emergency fund attached to my hip because um, I always would say, well, you never know when it's going to be a rainy day. You never know, but you know it will rain one day, right? And I think having an emergency fund for two and a half years and not experiencing uh, a need to use it um, got me comfortable enough that I was like, well, you know, this uh, money would be better off invested. And my emergency fund was much beefier than most people's. Um, I kept $60,000 in, in my emergency fund. Which, if you see here, um, I I really didn't need to keep sixty thousand. Sixty thousand is more like um, a full year's of my expenses, not three to six months. But I always liked having more, 
uh, for that, you know, uh, catastrophic scenario where we both lose our incomes at the same time and can't find a job and everything's going wrong. At least I know I can sustain myself for a year and have some kind of uh, financial peace and not have to rush back into the workforce. Well, again, I, I broke that rule. I invested that last year. And that money that I've invested was sprinkled out throughout the year, but a uh, majority of it was in the summer of 2021. Of course, when the market was doing well back then. Uh, so that money's at a loss. Now, I, I can't, I mean, I could go back and pull that and um, basically make um, make a new $60,000 emergency fund, but I'm not going to do that. Um, instead, I've decided to start resaving for an emergency fund. So this um, 500 to to $1,000 of breathing room that I have every month, uh, that gets put aside into a savings account uh, to build up a uh, emergency fund of, of uh, in our case, it's going to be only three months uh, of expenses, which uh, I've decided is going to be $15,000. And I feel comfortable with that. I think it's a smaller number where I won't uh, have that itch to invest that again, like I did with the 60000 because 60000 is really over, overkill. And um, seeing that money burn a hole in your pocket, you're really going to want to invest some of it. And in my case, all of it. Um, so this this time I'm going to do it right, save up 15000 and uh, I'm just going to let it sit there in my uh, credit union savings account. I'm not going to look at it ever again, and uh, I hope that I never have to use it. Uh, so, yeah, while I could be, I guess, investing an extra $1,000 uh, this, uh, this year, every month, I'm choosing to uh, put that 1000 into the emergency for the next uh, 15 months uh, until I get that. Well, it's not going to be 15. I've already started putting money away. It's going to be more like 10 months um, until I get that squared away. Uh, but that's it in a nutshell. My real actual budget, my monthly budget, how it looks like, uh, and how I survive off 90000 Now, for some of you, maybe you're making more than $90,000. Um, if you are, that's great. Um, but look yourself in the mirror and I'm not saying compare to me and say, Oh, I'm better or worse. But if, let's say if you are that person making 150,000 as a household and you're not able to invest $25,000 a year, you should really look at why, um, and, and start to work a plan to get yourself set up so that you can either pay off debt. If that's the reason why, um, if you are debt free and you're still not able to, able to invest, you know, if you're making 150, you should be able to invest 50,000 easily. If you're not being able to do that, um, you should probably get on a, on a written budget and, and give your money a purpose and, and give your dollars an assignment so they know what they're doing. Um, before I was, uh, into budgeting and before I was into managing money the way I do today, I had no idea what my money was doing. You can ask me in 2015 and 2016, 2017 when I was making crazy money. Uh, you can ask me how much is this costing or how much a month is this uh, uh, going to be. And I had no idea. I just knew that I had that ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 paycheck coming every month. And uh, I could put away maybe a grand or two into savings. And the rest I would just spend, spend, spend. And I had no idea where I went. And it's so scary thinking back on that, like how I managed to 
to live that way for so long. And if I would have never lost my job in 2017, and if I was still doing the same things, I would not be anywhere near where I'm at today uh, because it was just mindless uh, money spending and it, it happens. It's lifestyle inflation. It's lifestyle creep. It happens to everybody. Um, you know, when you're, when you go from making 40,000 a year to 150, it's, it's a huge jump and you kind of upgrade your lifestyle. And in my case, what's been cool about how I've transitioned to managing money the way I do now is even though now we have a dropping, a drop in income, um, it, I have not changed my lifestyle. Like, for example, when I mentioned the beginning, uh, twelve hundred goes towards food. I'm not budging on that. Whether I make you know seventy thousand or one hundred fifty thousand, that's how much I've decided I want to allocate to food because that one is important to me, and that's how much I allocate. Um, in the past, I probably would have uh, up that a lot. So it would be restaurants. I was uh, loved the steakhouses. I was frequently visiting a lot of good steakhouses here in Chicago and those are not cheap. Uh, and now, you know, I go to Costco and buy the five pack of New York strips for 50, 60 bucks. And then I cut those in half and get myself 10 steaks for, for eight, nine bucks, uh, a steak, right. Versus paying hundred, hundred fifty dollars for a steak dinner. So, you know, so, some things you probably can cut back on and, for me, it was steaks. For you, it could be something completely different that is more of a luxury, and you probably could figure out a way to do it cheaper. I'm not saying you should never eat out, uh, but probably you shouldn't be doing um, food delivery services or uh, you know fancy restaurants every week. Uh, another thing you could do is cut stuff down to, to once a month uh, to really prioritize saving so that you can then later on invest. But that's it. That's me living off $90,000 a year. Actual real life numbers. You know, I'm, I'm always fully transparent. I, I don't claim to be something I'm not. Uh, and, you know, $90,000 a year is not a lot of money in Chicago. I know in some areas it could be. In other areas it's uh, probably nothing if you look at New York or California. But, you know, even in Chicago it's not a lot of money. And uh, we still manage to get by. Uh, and... Being debt-free is the number one reason why. And I can't stress this enough. I'm going to continue to beat this dead horse into the ground. But debt-free is the single reason why I can quit a job, why I can invest as much as I invest, and why I can have uh, this much peace, especially in a time where the economy is very turbulent, um, you know, we've I've seen in the news now they've started layoffs and all these talks about recessions and you know people start to get into panic mode. Uh, obviously, the housing market has gone uh, sky high and people can't even afford to buy homes now. So there's a lot of anxiety out there or, or, or all around uh, personal finance. But yet here in in the Mookie household, it's a very calm, peaceful time. Even with markets down twenty plus percent, um, and you know losing, oh, how much have I lost? Well, I shouldn't say lost. I should say how much my portfolio is down uh, from three ten to now two thirty five, I believe. So you do the math. What is that? Almost eighty? Is that eighty? No, that's more. That's more than eighty. Uh, I can't do the math. It's late at night. Seventy five thousand. 
So, you know, being down 75000 in in a six-month period when I'm only making $90,000 a year as a household or as shit we're making, um, it's it's a bad number when you look at it on paper. But um, no anxiety here, no stress about it. Um, we have our plan. We continue to diligently work our plan. And nothing really, I mean, short of uh, some kind of catastrophic event, could really throw us off our plan and life is 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 funny in that way um stuff happens when you least expect it uh even in my case um when uh when i have the least amount of money to invest the market is down great uh, this is when i wanted to plow more and more money in well guess what i don't have it uh but boohoo cram your river um that's how life goes set yourself up to have that financial stability that financial peace so that uh, you can continue living your life and you can continue to prioritize more important things above your finances. While, yes, your finances are very, very important, once you initially set them up and you have the right plan, um, you don't have to keep going back. I mean, you should still have your, at least once a month, have a meeting with uh, with your household and discuss the monthly budget and uh, where money's going to go. But other than that, you shouldn't really actively be trying to um, do things with your, with your money that uh, or, or focus so much on your money that you become obsessed with it because that's not a healthy place either. Trust me, I've been there. Um, I've been there where I was uh, agonizing every penny in the budget trying to figure out how I can maximize uh, you know, this dollar here. And it's at the end of the day, it's not a good quality of life. I've learned that now, um, having a newborn, well, not a newborn anymore, he's nine months old, but having a, a young baby in the house has really shifted my focus from uh, being so uh, driven by uh, maximizing every dollar to learning how to enjoy life, learning how to uh, enjoy the simple things in life, and, and not worrying so much about um, money. And that's what I want to leave you off today. Uh, don't worry about it as as much as as you probably do, and a lot of us do, myself included in the past. Um, and worry more about uh, uh, things that actually matter. Not that again, money does matter, but in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, always ask yourself, you know, will this matter ten years from now? And when you start looking at it through that lens, chances are the answer is always going to be no. This is not going to matter ten years from now, and. Uh, continue to to work the plan and it's really all you can do before i sign off i uh, want to ask for one quick favor for those of you that are listening on the apple podcast side please go ahead uh, scroll down and leave me a rating um five stars is much appreciated but an honest rating is even more appreciated and then if you'd like to uh, leave a review you can write something into that review box and if i see it before I record the next podcast episode, I will make sure I leave. I read it live on the air. Uh, that is really the only way uh, this Monkey Finance podcast can grow. Um, we are, according to Feedspot now, the number 54 podcast, personal f- uh, finance uh, and investing podcast. Uh, so that is a huge accomplishment. I've started this podcast a long time ago. I've been 63 episodes in um it's been a slow slow process uh but you know 54 is is uh it's pretty impressive for me i'm happy uh, of course uh, i'd like to crack the top 50 this year 
uh, as a goal of mine and uh, continue to plow forward from there. You never know really where, where this thing can go, but I can't do it without, uh, without loyal listeners like you and without you guys helping me out with the rating system to help, uh, help promote uh, the Monkey Finance uh, podcast to more listeners like yourselves. Thanks again for uh, listening, and as always, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.